out of um, a month retreat in the forest and uh, kinds of interesting things happened <laughs> uh, it seems kind of irrelevant now that's how they just make this feeling of contentment, being contented uh, in a, in a non-specific way, contented to be here, contented to be there, contented to be where I am right now, which um, is nice. Um, I think, in a way, you know, one kind of distills still through so much experience. You sieve through so much experience in these retreat times because there really isn't a lot on there's not much there just the experience is just you kind of get the feeling of what it's like just being affected by everything you know because there's a lot you have to do and normally our, our way we're affected is we affect affect and there's a response you know affect response so the response can be quite um you know, necessary, do something, sort it quick, sort it out, don't do something, what's the answer to this, uh, get, you know, that kind of thing happens, that, sh- that charge shoots up in your head, you kind of, I'm sure you know what I mean, it's a tightening up around the jaw and your eyes bulge forward and temples <laughs> start throbbing, <laughs> and kind of tightening in the fingers, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that, so that's what you're with, you know. And uh, what you're affected by, you know, is gone. You know, just you're on a roll, as it were, you're on the on the run, moving along there. Um, so, and we get so kind of triggered to that that it's like you know, one almost like a spooked cow. You know, that even isn't anything there. Shadow falls and you jump because that's that's the thing you know you're supposed to do. As soon as something happens, you do something about it. You know, so you, you get, the quicker uh, you do it, the better, or the safer, or the more comfortable, or the more secure, or agreeable, or effective one will be. It's very worldly, you know, conditioning. It's not just social. It's it's kind of natural in a way. You know, biological to do, you know, to be on the alert, to go. So, kind of like low-grade panic that we live with. Um, and it gets gets heightened by the, certainly by the intensity of human social mores, and by, you know, getting it done and doing it, and getting on the ball and up and running and you know, all that sort of stuff is out there. And a lot of stuff's happening very quickly. Signals and speech and electronic stuff just jumping into you quick. So, you you know, you get faster and faster at it. So there's a kind of shock pattern, you know. I think most people are living in the age of shell shock. They're just sort of jittered. And, of course, it's very... We all know it's very destructive of the system. The system burns out. So when you finally come to a place where you switch off, you just feel bleary and groggy and dull. <laughs> or we even look for that. 
you know, something will just kind of soften us up. So you drink, uh, do things to damp everything down because they're over hyper. Mm. But on retreat, you know, then isn't a lot really. Uh, so of course you have to, one has to deal with the, the system, the jumpiness of the system, the effectiveness of the system, which is still there. Mm. And uh, just the rudiments of existence. So there's a kind of I was the smell of chicken manure <laughs> in the morning, coming in with a morning mist, chicken manure, and uh, feeling hungry, kind of griping in the belly, and the pains, the body, various bodily pains, and then quite small things might have happened in the, in the brief amounts of contact having the monastery which are lingering mulling over um, you know or even imagining these kind of half out of inferences you know, and being displeased with what one's doing being not liked or irresponsible or something you know you see these kind of vague inferences can linger there in the mind being affected by quite small things, or things not being said, you know, things not being done. And then, you know, that's uh, reading uh, um, Buddhist scriptures, you think, you know, wow, stuff really looks, whoa. And then feeling affected by it like that, you know, well, you know, half a page this person might be from a kind of drunkard to an arahant, you know, wow, that's pretty good. And, Nipped into this jar and that absorption, and wow, where am I? These kinds of feelings, you know. Or what all that is? What effect is the sphere of neither perception nor non perception? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to have one of those? You know? I wonder what that is. What's that mean, anyway? <laughs> all this stuff being trotted out of a book, like it's just like I was talking about shelling peas. And the jerk. Maybe I did. Maybe I've got it already. Maybe I've already had it, but I don't know what it means. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and these kind of so the mind starts kind of looking, fumbling around the experience that one has for something that might be remotely like that, <laughs> 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 or a way you could be like that. And it says, "How do you get to be like that?" And it says, "Well, just this eight pole path." Oh, my view. Fine. I'm not doing it right. I'll do a bit more. That's what I need to do. I'll do something a bit more. I say you get affected. So the effect goes to do something about it. And so, but what we one recognises, just in a very kind of immediate level, is to do something about it. Feels pretty um, jangled. There's a continual. Um, message you get kind of jangled you get fed up as well you know, with with it um, not that one doesn't feel one shouldn't do anything but that, that being the only thing to, that everything happens to that you know is you don't feel very settled you never feel contented because you can't get the quality of just enjoying or kind of being there or you know open and spacious and rich and warm and pleasant and all those kinds of things. So somehow or another is it right behind all this, you you know, though you don't necessarily articulate that, that feeling, well that's what it would be like, wouldn't it? You know? That's what it must be like. When you do get one of these funny things happen to you, you get in that nice kind of easy, spacious, um, no stress here, uh, everything's fine with me. That must be what it's about. Yeah. Um, and you know, well, that's when you have to, you've got this kind of continual agitation. You're supposed to be something, or do something, or get something. When that stops, that's what it's like. <laughs> so when you, you know, you kind of try to look into your own wiring, and rather than look at what the sphere of neither perception, non-perception, or the 
relinquishment of formations is about and to just try to you know get a feeling for what what's the kind of thing that I intuitively move towards where I feel best you know, maybe just move towards that you know. and in in this kind of in using the parameters of the path you're not going to go and get smashed or um, you know, do anything unskillful within the parameters of the path and then using this ability of the mind to focus and dwell and reflect, just using that. Um, and it begin also sense of just sort of tuning in to to what brings around the so, you know, senses of well-being that may not be that lofty, but at least the kind of getting, getting there, the the the, the uh, quietening of the compulsiveness or the impulsiveness or the discontent that keeps us feeling so edgy. And what all, that, all, all that's about. One recognizes that, that the way that volition expresses itself is is very much to do with energy going into the thinking apparatus and the, which conceives what to do right, and gives it a sense of direction and you get a sort of like volition starts with a, a wobbly impulsive or unsettled thing and then it, it, it shoots in a particular direction that and you conceive of something the mind you know, is able to kind of weave something out of that rather unsettled state and then boom, you've got a direction and the arrow shoots towards that direction you know, that's what you do that and um, so and so it's in the way that the mind conceives of something it, it creates an object that then can be the arrow can shoot towards if there's no object your arrow goes all kind of wobbly doesn't know where to shoot so once you get that object mind conceives of something then you've got the volition in moves that way so it's very much associated with the ability to conceive uh, it's not that you don't have any volitional tendencies but the way they express themselves requires some particular conceivable thing to do or be or have or get to or become um, and then when you're there, when that's happening, then you're on that kind of here we go state. Um, you know, and as it, what it feels like is, what volition feels like is, well, it's over there. Or it's, you, you know, in a while you'll get there, or do this and you'll arrive at it. You know, that's what it feels like. It's an arrow, isn't it? It feels like that's what it always feels like, and you recognise that that as long as that that thing is still firing, then it just keep you keep going that way. So you, you get to that, you may get to that thing, and you think, but the thing is still pointing beyond that thing to the next thing. Then have you ever tried? <laughs> I thought <laughs> one morning I, I came in for a shower and I came and thought, oh, I just, oh, this wants to look a bit of a mess. I just, I just tidy this up. <laughs> and I was there about four hours <laughs> just tidying this, throwing this. Up. Wow! And then it's still, <laughs> you know. It's like you could still see things that weren't quite right and then once your mind gets into a tidy level oh I haven't been to so and so I must have to figure that out I couldn't tell somebody this and the other one was happening you know and it, you just you know trying to create some space where you could be relaxed and peaceful makes you so agitated because <laughs> you have to go and tidy the world up <laughs> if you don't catch it say so yeah I know the instinct is right but that direction arrow you know yeah, there is need for space and you know, opening and clarity, but that direction arrow isn't really doing it. It's giving you a hint. But where it goes to, 
when you find a conceivable object, is taking you out to, to a, and that conceivable object like a ball that continually turns, and you never get to the end of it. Now, isn't it that way? You know, how many years have you been on this planet? <laughs> Did you ever get there yet? You know, has the ball ever stopped turning? Do you think it ever will? <laughs> That's what it's like to be affected. Isn't it? Be affected and then that's what I'll do and then you go. And no matter what that is, however worldly or mundane or lofty or whatever, it's like that. And so, you know, in a way this is just what samsara means. In the you know, ongoing that's created. In the here and now, through a volitional tendency, sparking off a particular conceptual object in the mind. And it's not nothing wrong with the object, particularly, nothing even wrong with the tendency there. But the way they operate and the way we get believe in them is what keeps this whole thing rolling. You know, that we actually felt, feel that. Doing that could bring us to a place where everything is, you know, when I retire, right? You know, got to that one yet? When you retire, of course, life's been a mess for the last 50 years. <laughs> when you retire, it'll all be sorted out. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but we can, um, you know, in meditation, you're reviewing some of these very instinctive processes. And so, with that, that quality we can recognize, just how it's asserting, you know, without taking issue for or against it, some things, yeah, it's good to do, or yeah, right, not, not going to make an issue out of that, but just feel what it feels like in the body. You're getting some reference to that. Yeah. It's not necessarily a huge feeling. It can be. It can be huge when it's a big thing, you get kind of gripping in your guts, or but it, often it's just something subtler. And because after a while, your shoulders are starting to tense up, and your face is kind of a little bit rigid. When you meditate, you can feel this. So it's something kind of contracting. Every time you conceive of something, something contracts and tightens up. And then, once we're in there, we don't, if we don't take it to a body reference, the likelihood is that we just think about the thing. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking about this. Oh, it doesn't really matter. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, well, not everybody does like that anyway. Oh, it's not really necessary now. Yeah, I better go with that. You know, we, we, we just think on the thought, and it continues to tighten up. So you never get to the feeling of an answer. You get to the words or the conceiving of an answer. You get the feeling of ah, you know, happens. You get to that right, yeah, okay, and then <laughs> yeah, that's it, right. But on the other hand, well, maybe yeah, I guess. Oh, no. Well, no. You get it goes like that. It kind of gets almost there, and it. it because it, it's that's it's that's what's you know the process hasn't been understood, and to understand even is such a you know in our in our way of referring to language is such a conceiving thing. You know, as they might say comprehended or really fully felt. In the Pali language, the words you know vidya. Clarity and Vedana, feeling are related. It's a kind of sensing rather than uh, conceiving, understanding. When you sense out, you get the sense of it. And so, body reference is a very helpful thing for doing that. Yeah. You can sense the tightening. You know, what can take me out of that tightening? What happens when I come out of that tightening? So often, the meditation can be quite 
as a, as a theme, as a definite you know, foundation, quite simple thing. Uh, practice is sitting and then recognizing how uh, you know, compulsions and tensions affect the, the mind, how the mind gets, how it relaxes, just, you know, as I sit there, sitting, is there any way in which my spine can feel more long and tall and free? Because the spine is the nervous system, so when, it, when you get this nervous tightness, there's some sense in which one feels tightened and contracted. So just, I can just sit, let the sitting be tall and not push myself upwards, but feel plenty of space above my head. You know, and I can really fill all this space up. And be, you know, can I, any, any way in which I can do that, allow that to happen. You know, from a, just from a spinal sense. And there's any way I can get all the muscles particularly in the face and the head and the neck to just drop. Can I get the shoulders to drop another millimeter? You know, there's any way in which they could drop a little further without, you know, pushing them. And so uh, just do that and then letting the feeling the breathing. As if the breathing, the breathing breath brightens and tones up that spinal axis every out breath the opportunities to check, say, you know, if you're really allowed full relaxing of the in your body, you know, in the soft tissues of the body which where the muscles are, where the things can easily grip. Have you really brightened up the basic core presence and have you really released those activators in the body signaling? You know, so then the breath becomes just this kind of very simple, uh, repetitive, checking, encouraging, guiding medium. You know, rather than do your breathing now. <laughs> Another thing, which is okay. <laughs> so just, you know, kind of realizing I do breathe, whether I want to do it or not, it happens, isn't something I've got to kind of get to in that way, but I can refer to that experience in a way that's um, for my welfare. The breathing is looking after me rather than something I've got to get and do and make work and get on top of and make it jump through particular hoops. It's something that's there there to look after me. And it's free. So it can do that if I open up to it. (coughs) So for myself, then that's quite a helpful means to establish a place for samadhi, for a sense of collected, happy composure. Mm. So, you know, there is a little bit of doing in that, isn't there? The doing is a sense of tuning in, finding what's relevant, feeling things out. It's certainly something that has to be done in a way. You know, I have to listen up and not get caught in the compulsions of the mind. There's, there's a certain... And then get back to it now, get back to that theme, get back to that tune. Remember it's for your welfare. You know, do it or refer that in a kindly way. You know. So there is a certain amount, but most of it's about undoing. The volition aims towards undoing, you know, because we can't just undo, can we? You can't say, say, okay, now stop doing everything. How are you going to do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop it, stop it, stop it. So, so that becomes another kind of thing. I've got my head, how I'm going to do it. Oh, do it, I'm really going to get down to it now. You know, the same tightened effect. But a volition that's aimed at, you know, there's nothing to do right now. You know, just, just look after yourself. Just feel welcome. Just take it a moment at a time. Don't 
worried, don't hang on to the past moment. Just, just encourage. You want to worry? Just go ahead and worry. It's fine with me too. Then really feed it out. So volition that's aimed at mindfulness and, and full awareness, which helps to relate experiences from the conceptual basis to something that's more intimate. So you recognize with the foundation of the mindfulness, there isn't really a thinking is not a foundation for mindfulness. The body is a foundation for mindfulness. Feeling is a foundation for mindfulness. And the effective awareness is a foundation for mindfulness. So this is called mind, but it's very much, we might say it's heart. Yeah. It's, it's that very sense of being affected. That's what jitta is about. <coughs> it's a sense of how I am. Yeah. That's the foundation for mindfulness. And also the various uh, forms that how I am manifests that. I am now fed up. I am now happy. I am, you know, I am now uh, this, that, and the other. So these are foundations for mindfulness. But the thinking process is not. So it's something we have to translate back into something that is. So when you're thinking about something, well, what's happening to your body when you think like that? And that takes you from the thinking to the foundation for mindfulness. Or what's happening to you? How's that affecting you? And just, you know, can you get references that are not just conceptual references? Obviously, you can come up with words, but can you refer to this is making me feel depressed or um, fearful or angry or happy or calm? You know, referring to simple felt tones, heart tones. And then you, in a way, you keep translating the thought back to the very um, bodily sense or the heart sense, which is where, um, which is where the volition originates from in the first place. <clears throat> so volition originates from some bodily thing, you know, that is, you jump, you know, some big thing comes into the door, oops, on the little thing, oops, jump. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> you get some kind of bodily crinkle there. So then the volition, check it out, what's happening. Or it's, a, or it's a heart thing. Somebody says, you know, you are a complete idiot. Yeah. Hmm. So th- then you get, you see your volition gets stirred by that. Or you remember something. So in that kind of <coughs> senses of anxiety or irritation or whatever or, or um, Loneliness and so forth is kind of volitional. These are, these are heart feelings, and from that, this kind of volitional thing comes up. Most people are dealing with a continual sense of, um, when we look into that, a sense of um, something that might be translated in a range of ways, manifesting in a range of ways for people. Loneliness is part of it, one way of looking at it. Meaninglessness is part of it. Inadequacy is part of it. Um, you know, it seems to be that, you know, particularly the 20th century, I imagine 21st is going to be a lot different, uh, was the was time of existential despair and depression. You know. uh, and this is, the, if you like, the, the centrality of that. There's a sense of nothing's here for you, uh, nothing's going to look after you, uh, you're not welcome here. You're in a hostile or indifferent universe. It doesn't mean he doesn't care whether you live or die. Um, and you, you've got to just get on there and work it out. You're not going to get any success out of it at all, but you've got to keep on the run because it will be worse if you don't. But neither way is it going to be any good. At the end of it, you might die and it'll be way over with. <laughs> That's it. Existential despair. There's no meaning. There's no God. There's no faith. There's no nothing to live for, really, in an essential way. 
but we have we don't live we have to do living you have to earn a living you don't it doesn't happen you don't, you're not alive you have to earn a living why you know what was the point of being here you no know, get back to work <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's kind of core vacuity in a big hole that sort of manifests as just people feel really lonely manifest like that or, or pointless or inadequate and this problem or depression which it becomes something that, that really takes over the whole body and becomes you know, serious illness is actually this is supposed to be the second most common cause of death in young women now is just depression uh, and that's without taking into things like well it leads towards drug addiction or alcoholism or some of the other you know sort of secondary things but just in itself you know, just kills people uh, and the people it doesn't kill it severely cripples in some way or another so people are popping various things to try to keep themselves on even keel when things get too tough <coughs> so we might think oh, you know, depression is just a state of mind but it, it's a you know, the effective sense is not just a, an intellectual experience or a mood it does affect the whole, the whole system it affects the whole system energetically uh, and we can't, you know, you can always, the, the, when, the, when the mind or when the, our awareness is clouded by the knowing, we think it's because this or it's that or it's him or it's her or I never or they don't or I can't or it shouldn't or if only I could and all that kind of thing. It's like blind man's buff, you know, you kind of, around here somewhere there's a reason for it if only I could do that or if only that happened to me or if I could get that you know and all that is still taking us out into things that we could do you know but of course the problem with depression is it's, it's, it's vicious kick says there's something to do you can't do it you know it's not an opportunity or you're, you're incapable but there's something that you know should happen, but you can't have it. It's not going to happen for you. And that, that's the that's the kind of cul-de-sac of it all. So it's effective experience. You know, this is not fully comprehended and sensed and felt and cared for can kill us kill us or, or really mutilate us make us fearful lonely, paranoid, depressed sad, bitter and so forth uh, with a feeling of you can't do anything about it that's the way life is you know. how the effective sense colours the whole universe it, it, uh, you know, it tints everything like you're looking through these tints you can't you can't get any perspective on it. Everything is, is, is stained with it. So, you know, just being able to kind of take experiences and even not very nice experiences and, and what, how's that feeling in your body? How's it feeling in your hand? How's it feeling in your leg? How's it feeling, particularly in the in all the, the visceral sensitive areas like the, the abdomen and the heart and the face and the throat these kind of soft areas which are very receptive how does it feel there? it doesn't feel very good at least learning how to feel something rather than just spin thinking and, and so on about it or imagining it's because of that you or him or whatever or oneself Of being affected is just that's the system we have. 
when that's confused with unknowing, effective effects make us selfish. Literally, you know, means effect means I am being affected. It makes gives us rise to the sense of there's an effect. It's affecting me. You know, and the response is. I should do something. It's happening to me. I need to do something. That's how the that's how the ball rolls. And it'll always be that way, won't it? And the ball will always roll as long as as long as that happens. As long as Affect the effects affect the sense of me. Then there's a me, and there's when there's a me, there's what? There's an other than me. You can't have a me that's universal. There's always a me and an other than me, which is you or them or the world or life or what I should be. You know, how I am, which is the effect, becomes who I am which is a state. And, you know, and there's a different. Who, how I am is, is a momentary tremble, <coughs> resonance, which triggers off various things. How, who then becomes who I am, it, it goes into a stasis. Mm-hmm. It makes us selfish. You know, it becomes who I am. <clears throat> and as long as one hasn't got the opportunity or the wherewithal to really contemplate and allow an effect to happen, you know, and not seize on it, contract around it, project on it, blame, cling, clutch, grope, manipulate, and so forth around it, as long as we, we don't know how not to do that, as long as we haven't got to that undoing, then it's, it's experience always comes into a sense of me, you know, as a stasis, uh, with some kind of sense of, you know, a world of others. So, you know, and then you really recognize that the whole world, as you know it, is part of your experience. If you weren't here, your world wouldn't exist, right? <laughs> you know, your perceptions of other people and your memories and your views and your pictures of spiders or your images of mountains wouldn't be there, would they? So all that stuff we call the world is really you know, happening through this nervous system. I mean, not saying there isn't anything out there, but, but the here and now experience of it is really part of this whole thing. And I, I'm the me bit of that thing. There's a me bit in that thing, and there's another in that thing. And they always seem separate. And yet they arise in the same place. You're looking at a tree, you know, the tree, the sight of the tree, the idea of the tree, the me, all those happen in the same place, don't they? The whole thing arises, the wholeness. And yet, what arises with it, through the effect is, there's me, there's a tree. There's that out there and I'm in here. Mm. So, when that that kind of separation gets deepened by a feeling you can't have or you can't make or that's not right, you know, you can't get to that or whatever, or you shouldn't be with that at all, then this this sense of self gets more and more isolated. So most of us are experiencing experiences or in a realm of experience that we can't fully get to or be with. We're just noticing it and then things are moving too fast or it's just too brutal or it's too saddening. So something's oof, out there, out there, oof, it's out there, you know. So, you know, in the, when there's no sila, there's no virtue, or virtue is limited in the world, then the self 
increases because the system can't contain or bear to be with things that are so abrasive or brutal or, or painful. It just contracts you. Know. Average person, if you're a saint, you know, then you actually open up and do the whole thing. <coughs> Which is, of course, what the path can bring around for us possibility of the through the relinquishment of self then the ability to actually you know along with the relinquishment of self is is the sense of being affected uh, being able to cope with effects or or process effects so instead of effects throwing you into a into a dualism of separation and cut off uh, dissociation effects are things that can be felt allowed to arise felt out you can stay with them they can say what they have to say where they have to be and they can pass you know, and you're still there which certainly helps when your effects are nothing much more powerful than chicken manure and a pain in your knees. <laughs> Sometimes they take a bit of doing. Uh, and of course, the, mo- the more heightened the sense of self is, the more difficult those effects are. Yeah. You know. So, 5,000 people get swept away in a flood in China. You think, oh dear, look at that. My husband gets swept away in a flood in China. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, my daughter fell over and grazed her knee. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. The, the sense of degree of, of self involved in the thing heightens the effectability of it, how intense it is, how, how severely it's felt. How much this should, there come, you should do something about it comes up in your mind, or it was your fault, or whatever. All those things are loaded. So the sense of self very much affects contact. How we, how what impressions, how tense we are, how how reactive we are, how affected we are by things is very much affected by this whole sense of self. So that and. So, Vice versa, the more we're affected by something, the more we become that. So, the more we're affected by something, the more we take a stand for it or against it. We become it or we become in opposition to that. So, the strategy of non-self is not really a conceptual thing saying there isn't a self, because this is a philosophical, conceptual way of looking at it, is to recognize how the heightening of self and the heightening of conflict occur together. The heightening of agitation, the heightening of separation, the heightening of frustration, the heightening of loss, and the heightening of the sense of self occur together. And with a diminution of those responses, the diminution of the sense of stasis, of this is who I am. So it's very much like we're practicing with the how I ams, letting the how I am be there so we don't go into the who I, the how I am doesn't become who I am. (laughs) You know, the fear doesn't become I'm a timid person. Um, The anger doesn't become I'm fed up and mistreated. Um, the you know the pain doesn't become I am you know uh, inadequate or whatever it just becomes oh there's that feeling and I can yeah I can yeah I, yeah I can be around that yeah I can get around that okay and can I can I really breathe into it can I really open into it just getting that inclination in practice. Can we take that right into my body you know, and feel the chest open around that and the 
everything in you that tightens up, release, relax around that. And do that. And then, oh, that doesn't seem so much now. We're not saying that we want that effect or like it or approve it or anything like that, but just it, as an experience, it can be handled. It has to be handled. It's happening in your nervous system. <coughs> and, you know, it's, it's a functioning system. But when the I am comes in, the I am says, oh, no, you don't, don't, don't really feel that. There must be a way you don't have to feel that. Oh, dear, push it down there. Look the other way. Tighten up a bit here. You've got something else. It will go away. But it's so difficult to to um, come out of that experience. It's so wired into it, that sense of stasis, that momentary effect, coagulates into entities, and how I'm affected coagulates into a fixed mood. Then becomes a position. Then becomes an issue, and then a problem, and then a you know, and so on. Because of the, you know, the difficulty that a, a, a system that's got used to being occluded doesn't know how to to clarify itself, and always, you know, it feels that even clarity is something that arises from one little bit of me doing something rather than the whole thing opening up. We, you know, because as soon as we come to the volitional sense, then we rely upon this little isolated, whinging thing in my brain, which is agitating, confused, upset, and confused, and, and irritated. That's going to sort me out. Oh yeah. <laughs> this sort of compulsive, inadequate, frustrated thing is going to sort the rest of me out, is it? Oh yeah, well that's, how's it going to do that? It can't sort itself out. <laughs> but its views and its opinions and its, you know, this way. It is this. That's, that's going to that's going to take, that's going to make me feel contented, is it? But that's where we go, that's where volition takes you to, to, to relying upon that which is an end product of it all. The, the sense of self. But it's you know, deeply humbling to actually, you know, as come back times and realize you just don't know a thing and you can't do a thing, but the system can do it for you if you just get down there with it. You know. And, and breathe it and feed it down to your fingertips and give it all the time it needs. The system will actually clear itself once you rely upon the whole system rather than some of this kind of fragmented um, psychological splinter bit. And most of us, we don't have the time or we don't want to do that. It's too painful, it's too humbling, you know, to just realise how fed up I am, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. So we, we just kind of slap new things on top uh, of, the, of the mess. You know, nice idea, nice thought, to get on top of it. So it's very difficult, but naturally we need, we need those um, support, the faith, the confidence. So I think this is really bottom line. 
and we get confidence in just the ability to do good, refrain from doing evil. It's a bit horrible, but I don't have to do it to anybody else. Um, you know, and then recognizing well, that's pretty good, you know. That's something you can get a sense of, hey, there's some ground there. It's not really an entity or a thing, but it's a mood, it's a tone, something you can tune into. Yeah, you know, like, that's trustworthy. So you get, you get confidence arises not in a particular entity or thing or status, but in a particular way we are, relational thing. Right? I can come from a place of, of um, find actions and manners that, are, that remind me of a place of goodness for myself. Bottom line, to keep coming back to. Harmlessness and the loveliness of it all. Thinking, noticing whether you've got a real sense of joy at noticing. Well, I had this little caterpillar. I was about to walk on my porch. I saw this little thing down there. What's that? A caterpillar. So he's having a bit of a struggle down there. And he's going to get. So I just carefully taking this caterpillar and looking around the forest for a nice leaf. <laughs> this caterpillar to sit on. <coughs> this is important, this caterpillar, you know. I take ten you know, ten minutes of my life. It's not gonna be a whole buck, you know. Find <laughs> <laughs> a nice leaf that caterpillar to sit on and then just looked at it. This caterpillar's all crinkled up. To kind of come out. You could feel a leaf. It obviously, could feel this leaf. It's little, little kind of feet started vibrating. It's like wriggling. It knows what a leaf is. It knows what it's on a leaf. You know, it started humping along. Its bristles were going. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, that's a pretty good thing to have done with my life. You know. <laughs> so actually, take take joy in another creature's welfare. I'd like to be able to sense that, 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 that something in me can do that. Yeah. It has to be really that. You know what neither perception or non-perception is about. And that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that being contented with that little bit of dynamic, you know, So, because it's not just the action, it's sort of taking one to a particular, you might say, a place, place of goodness. And, you know, a sense of some confidence there. This is quite natural. And then the natural things, like just the standing of the body, walking of the body, the breathing of the body, a sense of the seeingness, the hearingness. uh, How we can, one can just Acknowledge them as they are. The mystery. The who is it? You know, this, something's happening here. This is interesting. What is this? And finding the place of confidence. You know, the particular meditation themes that 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 we are tuned to. Um, you know. I find myself tuning a lot to, to bodily, but then also, also to particular um, heart states, uh, which certainly, uh, as a summoner, is very, is very richly endowed. You know, I look around, look at my shrine, and there's things that have arisen from other people's faith. You know, somebody giving me this little, I'm noticing this one piece of knotted lavender somebody given me in America. I only met this woman very briefly and she invited myself and Ajahn Amro round, had a cup of coffee in her house and, you know, she said, I just want to give you this. And just said to that, I took it, it meant something for her to give me, so I took that on my shrine. Remember, that was 
ู้ซะเออเธอจีนพูดซะอืมเออจะหนักเพียนในสิ่งโมดิฮะอืมอืม quality hard yeah these resources one can distill the meaning of beautiful things things that go deep things that are nourishing you distill the meaning this is about you know somebody coming reaching out you know the divisions between people dropping or the sense of kindness you know something like that distilling these meanings gives one a sense of faith in the human condition I think these are all you know, things that that help us to find that fundamental, you might call it a refuge place or a heart place, a place where we should meditate from. Yeah. A place that where we are actually sensing things rather than thinking things. We may think a bit, but really the thinking is just to, to help us sense more clearly. You know, takes you know, chitta, effective awareness. Everyone's really touched. So the the, the settling into that. Is the skill of samadhi, whereby we settle more and more into just that relationship between the effective heart and the bright sign, and its bodily breathing, its metabhavana, whatever it is, the bright sign, and you settling into that, being affected by that, being soothed by that, being comforted by that, being pleased with that, being, you know filled with that, allowing yourself to be filled with it, it's coming out of the nervousness and the impatience and you've got to do something, just allowing yourself to be filled with that, wherever your sign is, make your sign something that, something that will do that for you, not something that's so out of reach, you, you, you know, you always feel you've got, you've got something to get to. Mm. I think these things were always were felt of, you know, very simple things, Buddhist meditation. But, you know, we conceive them. And this sense of full enjoyment, you know, absorbing, which is jhana, the Buddha saying jayati, because really absorb. And, you know, feel when you read these, these statements in the, in the scriptures, the jhanas, and all that but it seems to be just fairly you know something people do people do it and it's like you know what does a word do for you and I I feel when the Buddha is saying it's like something you say say to me enjoy yourself enjoy get in there really you know soak up in that Get in that, saturate in that. This is what this is what jhana is. This, enjoy yourself <laughs> in this particular skillful experience. Don't don't you know, really unfold into that. And it's put in very matter of fact and sensual ways, like letting every part of your body be drenched with it and saturating with it, really pressing it into the fibres of the skin and the nerves so forth, you really feel that you've had a massage you've been soaked but when you think of it you think, oh I've got to get into jhana oh god I'm going to do that, oh I'm going to jhana it's affecting me you've got to have one of these, and five of those, and two of those six of those, add it all up not have any of that, present hindrances and get to this factor and that factor it goes right up into your noddle you're going to do it, do it, do it state, and it's taking you way out of the positive you're ever really experiencing. So you think, wow, this is really difficult. 
really remote state. You've really got to work hard to do this. Only special people can do this. People, special people who worked hard can do this. And that's exactly the, the dead end that, that the whole self-view is encased in. It's never going to get anywhere apart from the further frustration, tightness, and a sense of inadequacy and fed up, disappointed, and useless, and it's there, but you can't have it. <laughs> Which is the whole kind of existential despair. But to really, you know, come out of these, you know, to the, you know, so you, you can feel into yourself in confidence, in encouragement, sensing it. So these effects, the effect of samadhi is something that's supposed to be there for your, for your welfare. It's like a gift. <coughs> Enjoy, the Buddha is saying. Look, you've got nothing to do right now because it's some trees. Enjoy yourselves. Sit there, enjoy yourselves. No big deal. Don't get in a flap about. Sit there, enjoy yourself. All right, enjoy. Let me think. What are you doing? Enjoying. <laughs> do this. Don't uh, get this enjoyment state going. <laughs> <laughs> it gets so dense. But it's there to encourage us so that we can come to a place where we no longer feel so reactive and compulsive. This is the experience of samadhi, it's just like ease and contentment within your body, within your heart, within the present moment. And it's possible then to, to, to turn that direction of volition, turn that arrow, which is normal into, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? How do I do? How do I do? What am I going to do next? You know, turn it into who? Just turn it into who? 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 So, what's the point? Who thinks that? What's that feel like? So you, you can just turn that, that arrow of volition into this kind of feeling it out. Who's this happening to? Mm. <laughs> so it's a it, it's a direction arrow. It's just there to, to, you know, to turn the mind around when we are feeling more relaxed and at ease and less pressurised. You just turn turn the attention around. Because you always the assumption is if you have an effect, if you're affected, there must be something that's being affected, affected mind, which is who I am. It's affecting me. But when your mind, when your things calm down a bit, there's an effect. It's not affecting me, just an effect. So when that, the fault, so it comes out of the stasis of this is affecting me to the dynamic, that this effect occurs and unfolds and relaxes. And the less one is threatened by, clamouring for, fascinated with, disappointed by effects, the less and less the sense of I am gets invested. The less and less the sense of I am gets invested in things, the less and less the sense of got to, shouldn't, like this, don't like that occurs. So the two go together, relaxing the I am sense means that the whole quality effect becomes much more mirage-like, you know, waverings, mm. or even, but there isn't a mind that's being affected. Mm. So he may feel, if I could just kind of get rid of all these effects, I could get the nice pure mind that wasn't affected by anything, 
but uh, there's some truth in that, but it doesn't work like that. It's that in, in the calming of effects, the sense of mind begins to disappear. Yeah. With the ending of, you know, the script is with the ending of name and form, is the ending of mind, the stopping of mind, the ending of this designations and projections, the end, the mind ends, or ceasing of mind, stopping of mind, the sense of there being a thing here that's being affected. Then the system is then very open and clear. The direction arrow, you know, which is normally going to, what should I do? Can then turn around to who's this happening to? You know, point, you just kind of tremble, you know, space. And maybe it starts to tremble again. Who's that happening to it? It trembles into space. Something contracted, you try to figure out what that's about. Who's that happening to it? In space. Eventually something gets the point. <laughs> so then, you know, we can feel effects, not be effect, not hunger for effects, not, you know, you can actually have contact without it leaving these kind of positions and residues that so hobble us from being fluent, relaxed, at ease. We're not not clamoring to be on our own or clamoring to be with this or clamoring to not to be with that. And we can feel the quality of fulfillment. Thank mm-hmm. you.